What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everybody, it is Thursday, November third, twenty twenty-two, and as always, it is a heck of a morning. Live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces, you can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great week. We are in November here in South Carolina. It doesn't feel like November. It's like seventy-five, eighty degrees most days. So if you're in the Northeast. My apologies to you, but speaking of the Northeast, we are on the road to UFC 281. It's not fight week just yet, but we do have one more event to go this Saturday, UFC Vegas 64, which is headlined by Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Lemos. This card is not storyline written, but it is definitely an upgrade from last week's card, that's for sure. We got the main event. There's some stakes there. Neil Magny, Daniel Rodriguez this is a great fight. I'm interested in the Mark Madsen, Grant Dawson fight. Miranda Maverick's back. Benito Lopez is back. Let's see if Jake Hadley can have himself an impressive performance. I mean, there's things to talk about, but it's just another fight night card with a couple of good fights. We, of course, have a heavyweighty heavyweight fight on the main card between Josh Parisian and Chase Sherman. That should be fun. If you're a fight fan, this is, uh, th- is going to be fine. This is going to be fine. There are some intriguing matchups. Not the best card on, in the world, but not bad either. But I think we're all just moving ahead. We're turning the calendars to next Saturday, UFC 281. Madison Square Garden, Israel Adesanya, Alex Pereira, Carlos Sparza, Zhang Wei Li, co-main event, two title fights. Of course, Justin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. Lots going on with that card. So let's get to you guys. Let's see what you want to talk about. And kicking us off is Four Corner Sports. Hello, Four Corner Sports. Hey, good morning, Mike. I wanted to talk to you about the main event. Um, So I know that What's it called? Uh, Marina Rodriguez. She's on a win streak. My question is, if she wins tonight, what's the likelihood that she's going to get a title fight? Because I feel like she's going to be placed into this Benio Darius. Like, how many more fights does she has to win in order to get a title shot? I'm looking at her age. She's 35, so she's getting up there in age. And you guys have been saying it for quite some time that the older you get, if you're under 170 pounds, you're not going to, you know, age gracefully, you know, in those lighter weight classes. I mean, you think she's warranted of a title shot? I mean, she has two. She has two draws. Once, uh, what was it? Um, I think it was Random Marcos, and I think the other against Cynthia Calvillo. And then the only loss she had was against the champ, Carlos Suarez, which you could actually make a debate about whether or not she should have won that fight or not. But I mean, that's just that's just my opinion, and I think we're all anticipating the the big card for next week. I mean, if there's a card. Um, that's not on, on the main card for, for next week. 
which is a fight that you're looking forward to. You might, I know you might pick Montel Jackson, Julio Arce, but let's dismiss that fight. All right, thanks, Blake. First of all, I will never dismiss that fight, but I understand where you're coming from. I mean, it's probably. I mean, there's some there's some very interesting fights on that one. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm very high on Montel Jackson. This is a good matchup. We haven't seen him in a while. Aaron Blanchfield, Molly McCann is interesting, although I think Aaron will win that fight. To me, if we're looking at prelims for 281, what's the most interesting? It's probably the return of Dominic Reyes. Changing camps, changing coasts, training with the likes of Glover Teixeira, Alex Pereira, etc. He's been out since that vicious knockout loss to Yuri Perhashka. He's fighting Ryan Spann, who is very hungry and excited to have this opportunity to fight a guy like Dominic Reyes. So I have a lot of questions about Dominic Reyes, so I think that's probably the most intriguing to me on the prelims. It's, it's just bizarre that in 2022, on a big pay-per-view event, Dominic Reyes is on the prelims. Now, I know it's not a horrible thing because he's going to be on the main prelims. I believe it's on ESPN News. It's not ESPN, but it's just kind of strange to see a layout of a card like that and have Dominic Reyes on the prelims. So that, to me, is probably the most intriguing matchup, the one I have the most questions about. So we'll see how that goes. As far as Marita Rodriguez goes, she has a case right now to fight for the belt, but after what Zhang Wei Li did to Ioanni and Jacek, you knew right then and there she wasn't going to get it. But I would say, barring like a controversial split decision type of scenario, she probably gets the next title shot with a win. I'm not like 100% confident in that because if Zhang wins the belt, Rose Namajunas has two wins over her. Wouldn't shock me to see the UFC go that route, but we don't know what's going on with Rose Namajunas. She said she's going to be out. I guess like around this time, she's going to kind of plan on her next move. She's not really making any decisions right now. But when I spoke with her a couple of months ago, it seemed to me like she wants to give 125 a shot. She didn't 100% confirm that, but it seemed like she wanted to hit the weights, clang and bang a little bit, put on some muscle, put on some size. And then when I asked her if that means a move to 125, she said, do the math. That was her answer. So I think that's in play, but we'll see. I, I think Rose is the big wild card here. If Carla wins, I think Marina definitely gets it. But if Zhang wins, it makes it a little interesting. But Marina's got to beat Amanda Lemos. It's not going to be easy. I, I'm picking her to win, but Amanda is Amanda's a finisher. She goes out there and just it does work. But I think the longer the fight goes, the more it favors Marina. I think Marina will win, and she should probably get a title shot sometime in 2023. But Rose is definitely a wild card in this scenario. Let's go to Tristan. Hey, Mike. What's up, hey, buddy? Mike. Um, so I'm locking into um, the Neil Magny versus Daniel Rodriguez fight. Um, Neil Magny, I heard him on his um, on the on his pre-fight scrum, and um, he talked about what happened in his last fight against Shavkar Rachmanov. He had a lot of things outside that he was juggling with. I think his uh, wife was uh, pregnant and was going to have the baby, and he had other things going on. And then he was trying to kind of balance the two. So I, and he said, you know, in his training, you know, I guess he wasn't, he said he wasn't present at that time and had a hard time balancing it. So thus, and then, you know, Magni, it's hard for him to turn down fights. And it just, it brings a, a bigger point of, you know, I, I understand, you know, we, we love when guys take uh, short notice fights, you know, and, you know, I don't have a problem with that as well, but like when you're facing high caliber talent, you know, I, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather that fighter be like, listen, I need a full training camp. I'm not just going to just turn around and then just keep fighting and taking any short notice fights like that. It's, it, it all depends who you're fighting, you know, and and that's the thing, and that's the thing. And we saw this when Cheeto Vera was talking about with Cordy Sanhagen. Well, why didn't you fight me at this time? And I'm like, and I'm looking at, I'm looking at the screen when Cheeto's talking. I'm like, you really think Cordy Sanhagen is just gonna take a turnaround fight when he was just in a war with Song Yadong, and 
I mean, he was like, no, I'm like, dude, I need a full training camp. You're a high caliber fighter. You're in the top five of the bantamweight division. I'm not going to just be like, okay, let's fight because I want to show that, you know, I don't turn down fights. Like, so, so I think he was like, yo, you give me three months, bro, and then we can scrap. But I'm not, I'm not doing that when I'm fighting top five guys. So it just, I always feel it depends on who you're fighting at the point. Sometimes you can do short, quick fights because you're just that better then that other fighter that you're facing, that's not a problem. When you start fighting top eight, top, you start getting to the, the best fighters in the world, you need that full training camp. You need the time to recover, and you need the time to strategically game plan and figure it out at this point. I mean, especially with, with Sanhagen, he did that because was, it was for the title against Piotr Jan. But, you know, he, he it was short notice. He didn't make any excuses, but, you know, what it, that fight might have been a little bit different if Sanhagen had a full training camp against Peorian, but we don't know, you know, but again, no excuses on Corey sent on Corey Sanhagen's part, because it's for the title. You're going to, you're going to take it. So I just, I just, I just feel it just always depends on who you're fighting that you could take short nuns fights against. But other times when you're fighting the top five, top, top three guys, you need the time, you need the time to recover. And you need the full training camp. You need your full focus on that. So just your thoughts on that, Mike, and have a have a heck of a, heck of a morning. Thanks. Thanks, man. So the Sandhagen one for Jan, I mean, he's gone on record many times and said he didn't think the fight with Aljamain was going to happen on that Abu Dhabi card, and he was already full-fledged into a training camp. He had already been preparing to fight Piotr Jan. He was ready. So I don't know if I necessarily buy that. I understand the not fighting Marlon Vareth, thing i mean especially if it was going to happen if they offered it november december i know there was some talks about maybe doing it december 3rd as the main event for that orlando card but obviously that didn't happen so i don't blame sanhagen for not taking that fight i guess i'm a little confused about the question because i don't know if magni is saying that he took the rachmana fight on short notice because he certainly didn't we confirmed that fight like 10 weeks before the fight actually happened so let me bring you back in. Is that what you're thinking or was, are you talking about this fight in particular? What he was saying was he had, he had a lot going on um, before taking the, uh, the, the um, Rachmana fight. Cause what, cause remember Rachmana called him out. Once he called him out, he was like, yeah, I'll take it. But he was saying he, he, what he was trying to say was, he was he had a hard time balancing what was happening outside his life as far as training because he had a lot going on, so he okay he, he was just having a hard time trying to balance it too. Now against D Rod, he's like I got a better handle of things and things of that nature. But I, I'm just saying like I'm just talking about preparation wise. Where hold on a second, I'm facing I'm facing with this guy Rachmano. I mean I don't know maybe he would have he would have been like yo can we push the fight a little bit back so I could just have a handle of things and then I could really kind of focus in and zero in and lock in to the fight because I mean you can you, listen when you're facing a guy like that you want to have complete focus but I think he was just really talking about he had too much going on behind the scenes Thanks. okay okay I get where you're coming from um I mean he could have done that I, I don't know what the conversations were like but I mean he certainly could have just said can we push this one back and I'm sure Rachmanov would have been okay with that but he took the fight and and I and I'm not saying this to be disrespectful at all to Neil Magny and what this man has accomplished, but Neil Magny with 12 weeks of perfect preparation loses that fight. He loses that fight in probably the same exact way. It's just a terrible, horrible, nightmarish, stylistic matchup for him. It's horrible. So I'm not. I mean, to, to me, I get it. I totally understand being like a husband and a dad myself. I totally understand. And if you're getting in a fist fight, you want to be as focused as possible. Um, but in this case, I don't think the result changes at all. I think Shafkat just takes him down and beats him up and puts him away. Like if that fight goes the exact same way, even if he's had a perfect training camp, in, in my opinion. So, But I get, I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. Look, look at D-Rod right now. I mean, D-Rod is coming off – this dude's been dealing with short notice stuff this entire UFC run outside of missing a year due to the hand injury or however long he was out for before the 
You're supposed to fight Kevin Holland on a notice, gets his opponent switched on him, fights the leech, preparing for a totally different fight. And then he's like, I'm going to take some time off. And then he's booked two weeks later to fight Neil Magny. Fight gets pushed back. But I mean, some people thrive on that. Neil loves, uh, D-Rod loves the short notice stuff. Even when he says like, I don't want to do a short notice fight, he does them anyways. He's super active. So I don't know. That, that, I, I honestly don't think the result of that fight changes at all. Even if Neil, like everything was perfect, I still think he loses and loses badly. But that's just more on how good I think Shafkat Rachmanov is and not an indictment on Neil Magny and his skills. Let's go to Mikey. Hey, Mikey. Hey, good morning, everybody. Perhaps. How's everybody going? How's everybody doing? So, um, listen, uh, Mer- yeah, Mikey, try again. It's not connecting. Let's go to Viking MMA. Let's see what the Viking man has on his mind this morning. Usually takes a second for Viking to no, get connected. I'm here, Mike. I'm here. Sorry about the delay. Viking, do we have you? Yes, brother. Hello, can you hear me, Mike? Making sure my internet is not crap in the bed like it did. The other day. All right. Viking, try again. It didn't go through. Do we have Mikey? Because I was on earlier. Then, <sighs> Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Mike? Golly. What's going on? Can you hear me? Are we having the same issues the other day? Oh, no. Because I can hear you. I don't know if you can hear me. I don't know why. My internet's flying. Mm. My network's fine, too, so... I don't know. Ah, oh, this is so friggin' brutal. This drives me insane. Maybe it's like where I'm set up. I don't know. Crypto, do we have you? All right. Maybe I just need to walk around a little bit. Mikey, try again. Viking, try again. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, crypto, what's up, buddy? Hey, good. Uh, Mike, just to let you know, everyone else in, in the call can hear the other people talking, and we hear you as well, but it seems as if you don't hear anyone else. It wasn't connecting, but you got through just fine, so huh. I don't know what happened, but uh, I'm going to walk around and move around, and it seems like that's that's working, huh. so hopefully we can get everybody back in. What's going Perfect. on? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, so Mike... Um, I actually don't have a question today, but I would like to extend an invitation because I know that you and Ariel and uh, a lot of people at the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com, has, uh, been, have been talking about the KSW and going to an event there. Um, and I just want to give you a push, Mike. So uh, now it's on the record. It's official. If you decide to go, 
I'm paying for you and another person's ticket to the event. I can uh, fund two tickets for you to give you that additional push because you, yeah, you're going to miss the amazing heavyweight fight in December, I assume, because I haven't heard anything about uh, you going there between uh, Khalidov and uh, Pujanovsky, which is just going to be fire. Uh, <laughs> just a really fun fight. But Mike, if you decide to go, uh, two tickets are on me and uh, I'll show you, even though I'm from Sweden, I'm fluent in Polish and so on, I'll show you uh, the town uh, in which the event is in. And uh, I think it's time for you to go to an event in, in Poland. So, uh, yeah, that's all for me, Mike. I would love to do that someday. I appreciate the offer. I don't think it's going to be possible because December... December's going to be an insane month for your boy, Mike. It's just going to be all over the place. Um, lots of holiday travel, and there'll be some traveling for some other things, which I cannot say. You guys could probably figure it out. Um, I might cover the Orlando card, so that's four or five days on the road. So uh, I appreciate that. I would love to go. I just don't know if now's the time. So... Hopefully someday we get to go check it out. That would be very, very cool. All right. Do we have you, Mikey? I think I have you, Mikey. Finally. Can you hear me? What's, Can you hear me now? What's going All on? Right, yep, hey. I got you. All right. Yep, again, you're in. Heck of a morning to you, brother. Heck of a morning to everybody else. Hope everyone's having a good day. Um, So just to shoot right into the card, Um, listen, Maria Rodriguez is the main story, obviously, because to a lot of people, she's been, you know, long overdue a title shot but we can't ignore the, the fact that listen there may not be the original scheduled main event but it was to, it, this is to me a happenstance good luck thing for the ufc because amanda lemos we forget i think people are still stuck on her loss to jessica and josh but that's her first loss at strawweight she has one loss in that division in three years if she you know she could steal the thunder and put herself right in the mix of a title shot, if not a number one contender bout with, with an impressive win. And two, I think, I think, I think the winner of that fight could very well be the next one in line, because I think you have to, the, the, this trend that the UFC kind of like doing these instant rematches and quick turnarounds is kind of getting annoying. Like I, I don't mind it to a certain degree, but I have to admit it's kind of getting a little fatiguing because I'm, you know, we should let the, these, divisions breathe you know like get some new blood in there get things rotated out you know so that way people can get their experience with with title fights and stuff like that because it's like because like you said if carla beats because now we're being forced into situations where we have to root for a, a specific outcome to get the straw weight divi any division moving and i think that's unbecoming of all these divisions because you can't just like log jam them all the time you know like if Carla retains the title. Yes, that would be preferred. But if but if Zhang Wei Li gets the belt back, she doesn't have to fight Rose right away. At the very minimum, Rose should probably fight the winner of this weekend's card, you know? Also, one more note. Um, Eileen Pereira, the little sister <laughs> little sister of Alex Pereira, is debuting a couple days before he fights Adesanya, and she's making her MMA debut in an LFA card, and she's a flyweight. And I tweeted about it yesterday. I'm like, I think she'll be in the UFC soon. Because you can't that clout of her brother being there. She's also a kickboxer and flyweight needs names and fresh contenders. So, oh, you know, keep an eye on that. Be kind to one another. Till next time, guys. Thanks, man. Listen, I get where you're coming from. There's a lot of people on the marina deserves a title shot bandwagon. The problem is, she just needs to go out like. The win over Mackenzie Dern was dominant. Like that was a dominant win, but it was just it was just really tough luck for her because Carla had Carla was in a position to fight for the belt. Like you couldn't deny her anymore. She just she was up. And maybe there is a world where Mackenzie because of her I guess popularity or drawing power, if you will, could have snuck her way in there if she went out there and submitted Marina Rodriguez in the first round, but that didn't happen. And then she takes a, she just takes a lot of risky fights and I take my cap off to her because she's just building that resume. The Anjo non win wasn't great. A lot of people felt like she lost that fight. So that hurt her. I think she would be the first one to admit that, 
bounced back, and now she's got a, she's taking this fight. So I think this one should should put her over the top, but she needs to do something like emphatic. Like she's I'm not saying she has to go up there and just finish Amanda Lamos, but she has to. This can't be a split decision win. She's got to go out there and, and win convincingly. And if she does that, she's got a good shot. But we know how the UFC does business. They want the biggest fight possible, biggest fights possible. And even though Marina was in decent position to maybe get herself a title fight, Zhang Wei Li destroyed Yuani on Jacek and retired her with just spinning hell. And her not, took her out of the sport. So that's one of the knockouts of the year. When we think back on 2022 in that division we're not going to remember the title fight but we're going to remember that moment and that's why she's getting the shot against Carla she's probably going to beat Carla and then we could do Zhang versus Marina or we'll see what happens with Rose she does have two wins but to me Marina if she goes out there and beats Amanda Lamosh drops a 49-46 on her that's enough for me but this has to be one where we're like, all right, Marina definitely won. Give her a title fight. Can't be a splitty or anything like that. She's got to go out there and, and she's got to win and do so convincingly. And I like the uh, the prayer signing to LFA. It's smart. And if Alex wins the title, she's probably going to get signed right away. So, uh, Viking, hello. Uh, just want to know. Um, all good. I just want to know about your thoughts on Rose's junior. I mean, he's just an 18-year-old and he's fighting amongst the big boys and winning too. But I really don't know about the fighters who have came into the UFC in the past at the age of 18. But uh, I know about uh, Charles Oliveira. He came into the UFC when he was, what, uh, 20 years old, if I'm not wrong. Mm, But... uh, He came uh, and also he came with the BJJ background, right? Uh, but the damage he has ob- observed over the years is brutal. I mean, look at his chin now. He just get onto the ground by by a you know low, very low blow. So, do you think it is good for Rose? Rosa Jr. to enter in the UFC because he's so far away from his um, prime. So I personally think he should have waited for a few more years. But, you know, if you ask Dana White if he wants to throw a fighter in a fire pit for money, he'll do that. So that's my main concern about this young fighter, Rosa Jr., and the damage he's going to absorb. And that's it. Thank you, Mike. Thanks. Thanks, man. Um, I mean, I get it. I get it. I mean, they didn't give out, like, any developmental deals, which drove me crazy. I, like, they just need to give out so many more of those. I mean, we just saw with the latest, you know, purge of rostered UFC fighters who got cut or released or their contracts expired. I mean, they, they just give out so many contracts. Some of them are deserved. Some of them are not like there were a bunch of contract winners on this past season that didn't deserve them in my humble opinion, but they got them. I don't, I have less of an issue of roses getting one. I, and you kind of had a feeling he was going to get one anyways, just because mostly because of the age and how, different and unique that whole situation was. But the other thing was if he had fought and didn't get a contract, Bellator would have locked his ass right up. Bellator's good at just picking those prospects, picking the right guys that the UFC passes on. They would have locked him up in a second. And they probably would have given him a similar deal that they gave to like Aaron Pico and others. So I think this is just more of uh, let's just, let's just lock this dude up, make sure he doesn't go anywhere else. And I like the booking with Jay Perrin. I, I like Jay. I, I've been talking to Jay Perrin for years, well before he got into the UFC. And this is the exact matchup I asked for because Roses will be heavily favored to win. Perrin's going to give him a fight. And 
What's good about this is that Jay on the ground is a much better fighter than Jay on the feet. And Raul and him are just going to have some fun scrambles. And we'll see what happens. So I like the matchmaking there. Don't throw him in there with Montel Jackson anytime soon or anybody like that. Don't throw him in there with Mario Batista. Like, these guys. These are, these are the guys who should be fighting. So I have no issue with the matchmaking. And hopefully they just slow roll him. Like, it's a different situation than Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel's, you know, 26, 27. He'll fight Jamie Pickett, which is similar matchmaking if we're looking at rankings and meritocracy. And then if he goes out there and beats Jamie Pickett in March, then push him. But I wouldn't do the same with Raul Roses. But we'll see what happens. I, I like the matchmaking here. It's the exact matchup I, I picked. And this is, this is what they did. Hello, Toke. Okay, Lee, for his uh, serenade to me on uh, onto the next one. That was, uh, that was strange. Um, so other than that, you know what I'm talking about. You know that I want to come in here as the resident Dane and talk about the Danish guy fighting on the card. So Mark Madsen, I realized uh, this weekend... He was interviewed by a Danish uh, media outlet, the one that carries the UFC TV rights. And he said there that he was pulled aside by the UFC, who told him that it's not enough to win. You have to do it convincingly, quote unquote. Um, so this leads me to the fact that the UFC is not the right place for Marco Madsen. He's 38 years old. The way he wins is not exciting and they can't really build off of it quickly enough for him to even get to what he wants, which is he wants to show that he's the best. He wants to get a title shot. He's never going to get that in the lightweight division. Never. So my thinking is he would be a perfect fit for his short career that it's going to be. He would be a perfect fit for PFL. But he's now in here with the UFC young guys in lightweight, and he has to somehow break into the top 15 with a style that the UFC is not going to promote. So this has me quite annoyed. So I just, uh, this is actually not even a question. I just want to want you to maybe elaborate on it or something, but this just doesn't seem like the right fit for him, at least at, at when he's in the UFC at the age of 38. Uh, I don't know what you think about that, but there you go. Yeah, I, th that's, it's interesting. The problem, like, it's, it's not, and I don't know, like, what he, I have to go and maybe check out the interview and possibly get it translated or whatnot, but the thing is, Mark's winning, but he's – I agree in, in, to a certain extent. He's not winning convincingly. Like, he struggled with Vince Pichel, and Vince is a dog, man, so I, I get that. He had, went to a splitty with Clay Guida. Like, he, and I love Clay Guida. Don't get me wrong. Super exciting fighter. But, like, these are the guys you should be 30-26-ing, and you're not doing it. Like, you're going out and you're, you're getting wins, but – you're getting wins that no one's talking about after the fact. Once Marco Matson at UFC 273 did his post-fight media scrum, that was it. That was the last we, we heard. Uh, this is the last anybody talked about him. People were talking more about Vince Pichel than they were Mark Matson, if we're being honest, because Vince brought the fight to him. So this is a super tough matchup for him. I give Matson's, I actually give Matson a lot of credit for taking this fight with Grant Dawson because this is a nightmare matchup for him. It's really tough because I think Grant, even if the wrestling is nullified, Grant is a much better striker. And I think Grant has a little more dog in him than, than Mark does. But this is why we have the fights. We've also seen Grant fade down the stretch. The Ricky Glenn fight sticks out to me where, I mean, he dominated Ricky Glenn for two rounds and then Ricky took it over and got a 10-8 and ended up being a draw. But on the flip side, that was a featherweight fight. Grant learned big time that he's not a featherweight anymore. He's a lightweight and he's a big ass lightweight still. So love the fight. Very intrigued by it. I'm picking Grant Dawson to win. 
Grant's a pretty sizable underdog. I mean, pretty sizable favorite in this fight. So, yeah, give me Grant to get it done. I think this is a tough fight for him, and I get where the UFC's coming from, but I, I get where you're coming from. I think Mark Matson in the PFL would be a great move, and maybe that's what happens. I don't know, but he's calling for these top 15 fights and top 10 fighters, and he ain't getting them with these performances. He's just not. So we'll see if he get, if he beats Grant Dawson. I think he gets on people's radars a lot more. That's for sure. Brett, hello. My friend and Mike Heck, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Hey, uh, real quick, I just want to get your take uh, on Adesanya and uh, Pereira. And uh, I think Adesanya is going to take this one. I think he, he's really hungry for this. And and I just want to know who your thoughts are on uh, who could be next for him. And when you said the Bo Nickel card, um, Bo Nickel fight that's going to happen in March, I'm thinking for like a co-made event for two fights that the 135 division would love to see. It would be Aljo Chito Vera versus everybody's fucking arch, their nemesis, Henry Cejudo and the meth man, Sean O'Malley. Tell me what your thoughts are, Mike, and uh, I'm going to listen in and have a heck of a morning, bro. Thanks, man. I, I mean, Bantamweight is such a mess right now. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. Now, Aljo's saying he's not going to fight till June, but he's also, like Aljo does, he says things and then he kind of takes him back a little bit. It's like, well, I'm saying June, but maybe the UFC will entice me with something. Like, if you want to sit out till June, like, sit out till June, dude. Like, it's all good. You've had a, a crazy year. Sit out till June if you want. It's, it's fine. But to me, he should be going all in on Sean O'Malley. I've talked about this a million times. Cejudo should fight Cheeto. That's the fight I've been screaming for since Cejudo said he was coming back and he's starting to scream for title fights. Go fight Cheeto. Go fight that guy. Number one contender fight. Let's go. And I also gave Cejudo some, some props earlier this week because he's trying to do the thing, trying to get this fight together with Sean O'Malley. If, if Aljo's going to sit out until June, do that. Like, just do that fight. That's fine. That's why I was saying, instead of going right to Aljo TJ, you go Aljo Aldo, TJ can get the winner, or you, did T, or you just did Aldo versus TJ and the winner gets the title fight. Like, if we have... If we have to have these conversations where we have arguments for both or several fighters, just have them fight each other. Like, so what? Just have them fight each other. I know we go back, we can look at the featherweight division right now and we're like, oh, well, we tried to do that, but we still haven't had anybody emerge. But that was, that, that's a different story. It's just so weird and bizarre and it's almost like it's cursed in a way. But it's proving Volkanovsky's point that no one's emerging in that division. And it's by good luck or bad luck, however you want to slice it. As far as what's next for Adesanya, oof. I don't know, man. It's tough. I mean, we got guys on the come up. We got Andre Muniz. We got guys like DDP, but they're far away. I mean, I, do they go back to the Whitaker well? I don't know. I just don't. And that's like kind of the argument that a lot of people have for Adesanya being the pound-for-pound pound best fighter over Volkanovski is because because of this exact scenario that we're in. Adesanya's beat everybody. He's beat everybody in this division. I mean, could you go Sean Strickland if he beats Jared Cannonier? Maybe. And you know that fight will do bonkers because Strickland will be Strickland and say a lot of crazy things, and Adesanya will be all good to fire back at him. But, I mean, I just don't see a world where Strickland beats Adesanya. So... That fight isn't even all that compelling. So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't like, I don't know if Adesanya's just going to bump up. Like he wants to go to 205. And I think if he gets this Pereira win under his belt, that might be enough. Like he's done. What else can this guy do at 185? Like he can wait for Andre Muniz or wait for DDP or some of these other guys, but they're a long ways away from getting to a title fight. Unless Izzy just straight, straight calls for him. I know Izzy's mentioned Gregory Rodriguez as a guy he'd like to fight someday, but we're so far away from that too. So it's a big fight for Adesanya. It's huge. It's almost like the best thing for this division is for Pereira to win, and then he could just run this one back, and you could let the division kind of play catch up a little bit. But we'll see what happens. That's a great fight. I haven't given a, a prediction yet because this is going one of two ways, and I know it's – 
super fancy and obvious, but if this fight gets stopped, Pereira wins. And if it doesn't, then Adesanya's going to win. If it goes to the cards, Adesanya wins. If it doesn't, I think Pereira wins. But I'll look into a little bit more. I'm sure we'll be talking about this a lot. Heading into UFC 281. And I can't wait. Things are happening for 281. Stay tuned for announcements. You may know where I'm going with this. Let's go to Jordan. Jordan, hello. Mike, heck of a morning. Um, I, I just too. wanted to ask a couple of questions. First one, obviously, Ariel touched on it yesterday with the Josh Thompson comments on it being the media's job to promote Bellator versus Ryzen and what are they going to do. Um, but second, just touching, would you be more interested in seeing Sean O'Malley fight Cejudo right now or running it back with Cheeto and just getting that out of the way for a number one contender? Hmm. Thank you, sir. I, I don't know. Like, honestly, I, I mean, if I have a choice, if I have a choice, oh, man, it's tough because there's such a story with, with Cheeto and I want to see that fight, but I still think we can see it at some point. Like that's a back pocket fight. And I think we can get there at any point. I kind of want to go the, the Cejudo route. Just because I want to make sure this guy's going to fight. Like, I want to see if he's serious. Like, that's the biggest question in this division is, is Henry Cejudo serious about fighting? That's, that's it. It's not a stylistic thing. It's not a merit thing. His resume is incredible. He's one of the best fighters of all time, in my opinion. He's great. But he's also not a star. He thinks he's more popular than he is. And no one believes that he's fighting. And the ones that believe he's fighting... They don't really care that he's fighting. And this, it, for the reasons that I just mentioned, no one believes that he's serious. He thinks he's Conor McGregor. He's nowhere near it. So I just want to, I just want to see if he's serious. Just throw, just wave the white flag up and say, Hey, I'll go fight Sean O'Malley. You take that fight. You go fight him. You win. Go fight for the title. You will get no argument from me. Go fight anybody. Go fight Song Yudong. Go fight Song Yidong. You beat Song Yidong, get a title fight. Go fight somebody. So to me, I'll go O'Malley Cejudo just because I just want to see it. I just want to see if Cejudo's actually going to fight somebody and that he's serious about it. Because my one concern is they make this Aljo fight. He wins, wins the title, and then he just holds up the division because he wants to fight Volk. And then we're in a worse position than we're in now. Or he just retires again and says, pay me more. Or I'm done. These are the things that concern me about Cejudo. The Josh Thompson thing, I mean, I don't know how much more I could say about that whole situation. I think I'm done talking about it because Josh is just wrong. And I know he did. They had another episode of Weighing In and Josh was like, see, you reporters, you journalists, you picked, took my words and you twisted them around. You know, I meant cover. I meant cover, not promote, obviously. But it's not that. Like, go back and watch that clip, the first one, where he says, your job to promote. And then he laid out what we should be doing. It's your job to let everybody know that this is happening. To promote the shit out of this card. Like, and then he's like, oh, well, maybe I used the wrong word. And he tried to, like, double back on it. I've said enough about it. Ariel said essentially the same thing. This was about Josh getting himself over. This is about Josh getting his podcast over. That's 100% what it was. Had nothing to do with the event, nothing to do with Bellator, nothing to do with Ryzen, nothing to do with AJ McKee or Patricia Pipple or any of the fighters on the card. This was a Josh Thompson move. Let's get myself over and trend on Twitter. That's what it was. And that's my biggest issue with it. I will say this. I have reached out to Bellator. And I will double, and I will say this once again before I go on to that point. I don't blame Bellator for any of this. I've had multiple people in the organization reach out to me and tell me, Mike, I know you were going to go off on this. I know you're going to respond to it. But just know this is, not, this is not a Bellator thing. What Josh says on his show is his opinion. It's not our opinion. And, I, it, I, and I've said that every time, and I'll continue to say it. It's not a Bellator thing. I do not blame them at all for what Josh said. There's lots that I do blame them for, 
and we've talked about it a lot on this show. They have, they've done a terrible job promoting. They've done a terrible job. The Milan card, like, most people didn't even know that was happening this past Saturday. We have a big one coming up in Chicago. It's like very little promotion for that. You have a Nirmaga Madoff in the main event or in the co-main event. Habib's going to be in the building. Habib's about to coach the two lightweight champions and the two biggest promotions in North America. Why are we not putting out videos about this? Why are we not promoting Usman Nurmagomedov right now? Because I think he's going to wash Patricky Pitbull and win the belt. Like, what are we doing? Corey Anderson and Vadim Nemkov are fighting in that rematch. No one's talking about it. And that's not our fault. So I'll say that about Bellator with the promotional aspect. They're bad at it, but... But the Josh thing is just... The more I say about it, the more it gives him... The, a greater sense of righteousness to to fire back at us, and I'm just done doing that. I don't need I don't I don't need this dude pissing me off any more than he did, and I'm actually upset that it got me as fired up that it actually did. But the thing I was gonna say was I reached out to Bellator, and I said, "Let's have me and Josh have a conversation. Let's do it." I'll see where he's coming from. He can see where we're coming from. And then we can just put this to bed forever. We can understand what both of our roles are. He can understand what our role as media is, what his role is, which is in the media, by the way, no matter what he says, he is part of the media because he's on the damn broadcast. He's just not a journalist, but he's in the media. And let's do it. And from why I was told, Josh doesn't want to do it. Josh doesn't want to do it. He feels that his response on his last podcast was explanation enough. And I told him, I said, well, that's not good enough for me. That's not good enough for anybody. You're just twisting one thing. And I said, he was like, what other problems did you have? I said, one, he promoted his podcast over your event. And two, the whole, the whole UFC credential thing is just, fucking stupid it's so fucking stupid god it's so dumb i've covered since i got to ma fighting i've covered twice as many bellator cards in person as ufc cards i've done a lot of stuff with bellator i've covered jake paul fights in person and the ufc never banned me they don't give they don't give a shit they don't care so that whole thing was just ridiculous he didn't speak up about that. So these are the questions I have. Josh ain't interested, but I tried. I wanted to have a little conversation, not even a debate per se, but just here's my issues with what you said. Let's clear them up so we don't have to have these discussions anymore. He didn't want to do it. So there you go. Let's go to Billy. Billy, are you there? Billy, you're muted. I cannot hear you. Hello, Mike. There we go. What's up, buddy? Uh, I just wanted your thoughts on what to do with the uh, featherweight division at the moment, obviously with Arnold with the the weird win and obviously Yair with the weird win over um, Brian Ortega as well. And then you also got Emmett and... um, Who's the other one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, we talked about this on the post-fight show. We've talked about it on this show. This is what I think the UFC is thinking. They're going to go, all right, Arnold Allen, we're going to the UK. We're going to do an interim title fight. Arnold Allen versus blank. I think that's what they're thinking. I think they're going to call Yair first. Gauge where he's at because they think he's a bigger fight, name value-wise. And they're probably not wrong about that. And if Yair continues on this just awful road of, I'll wait three years to fight Volkanovski if I have to. I'm not fighting anybody else. Then you do Arnold Allen versus Josh Emmett, and you're good to go. There's another popular choice 
that I hate. And that is Arnold Allen versus Max Holloway. Hate it. Not the fight. The fight is cool. But Max Holloway should be as far away from these three dudes as possible. Because we're trying to get people emerging. We're trying to get people moving forward. And if we do Arnold Allen versus Max Holloway, there's a good chance Max Holloway beats him. And then we're like, now what? Do we do Holloway again? Like, we don't want to, I don't want that to happen. So if Holloway's going to stay at 145, the Mitchell Taporia winner, somebody like that, like somebody that's going to get him up. But it's the Arnold Allen one is not it. It's not it. Because Max, I would pick Max to win that fight. And then Arnold's gone and out of the conversation for the foreseeable future. I don't want to do Max Holloway versus Josh Emmett. Big fight for Josh, but I don't like it because Max probably wins that fight. And then Josh is out as a contender. We saw the Ayer fight. So I'm doing Arnold Allen versus one of those two dudes. Interim title fight. Do it in the UK. That's how I'm doing it. And I'm keeping Max Holloway far away from these dudes. And I'd rather see Max just have fun fights at 155. Go fight Charles Oliveira. That's fun. First fight ended in a strange way. Let's have those guys fight. He could fight Dustin. He could fight Chandler. He could fight Justin Gaethje. Like, these are, these are just fun fights. Holly doesn't need the belt. He doesn't even need to be sniffing the featherweight title at this point. He doesn't need it. So keep him far away from Arnold Allen and all these guys. And you know if New York Rick's chiming in, he probably disagrees with something that I said. Hello, New York Rick. Heck of a morning, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, I mean, I'm doing fantastic. I'll get to that in a little bit. So my question is a hypothetical. There's a train coming. And Josh Thompson and Henry Cejudo are tied. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, I wouldn't do that to you. Um, I was thinking about last night. There was there was a basketball game. I'm not sure if you saw. It was the Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Boston Celtics. It was an incredible matchup. Um, and the best team in the East won the Cleveland Cavaliers. And there's a player on that team named Evan Mobley who's going to be a future MVP, and he's a tremendous basketball player. And it got me thinking about um, – prospects it got me thinking about how excited i am about evan mobley and how excited i am for his future and i was curious in mma who's the one prospect that you can't get out of your mind that you can't stop thinking about that you can't you know that that you can't wait to see against top competition become champion all those things all those accolades and maybe not necessarily like a hamzat shamayev who's already kind of like on the cusp but maybe somebody who's got a little bit of a further road um, that you can't stop thinking about getting to the top. I like the question. I mean, longtime listeners of the show know probably where I'm going with this. There's two. Makayev is one. And Armand Sarukian is 1A. I just, I, 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 from the first time I saw him fight outside of the UFC, I was like, this dude's going to come to the UFC and he's going to win the belt. And he's going to get there. I still think he beat Matush Gamrot. He should have been the one fighting Benny Dariush, if we're being honest. But we got a great fight nonetheless. Sarukian's going to fight Ismagulov. That fight ruled. Ismagulov's another guy that I'm very excited about. Montel Jackson, another guy I'm very excited about. I know he's... I don't know if you'd call him a prospect at this point because he's been in the UFC for a hot minute. But he just hasn't been active. He's so good. And this dude just doesn't... He just doesn't fight enough, and it sucks. <laughs> like, the one big opportunity he had, he lost to Brett Johns, I believe. So we'll see what he does next Saturday. But those are three that I think about a lot in terms of how good I think they could be in their ceilings. I think Makayev could be a two-division champion. I think he's that good. And I think Sharukian versus Islam for the lightweight title in 2024 is going to be fascinating television. They fought before, Sarukian, short notice, UFC debut. He gave good old Islam one of the toughest fights he's ever had. And that was his debut when he was like 22 years old. This guy's only 25, 24, 25. He's only going to get better. So those are the ones. And by the way, typical Cavs fan celebrating a November win. Good for you. 
come talk to me in May and June. We'll see where you guys are at when you're watching the Boston Celtics play for either the NBA title or the Eastern Conference title. And the Cavs are all playing golf. Zeke, what's up? My man, Mike. How are we? Good. How are you? All right. I'm in the whip. I'll keep it uh, short and sweet as uh, I try to. Sometimes I get on those long tangents, but I can't help myself. You know what I mean? When we're on Mike Hex Hex for morning show, it could get wild sometimes. Um, first things first. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to take you back to that mess of a locker room that I took you into once. Any comments on what's going on with Yudoka? It looks like he's getting poached out of Boston. Ewy, ewy. That locker room's a mess. Secondly, back to the UFC and the MMA. Is Colby Covington actually holding up the welterweight division at the moment? I'm a Colby Covington fan. I know it's weird to say, but I'm actually starting to agree. Like, Colby, we got to get active here. I understand the whole Jorge Masvidal on the head thing, but is he going to fight Hamzad? Is this fight ever going to happen? I know I always ask you about this. And lastly, of course, we knew Armand Sarukian was coming to the answer to the last question. I actually have a guy I want to throw in there, maybe, you know, I don't know if we forgot. Jonathan Almeida's a freak. You can lock him in there with a light heavyweight and a heavyweight on the next card. I don't care. He will rip them apart. Shamil looks like he's going to be his opponent right now, and I know you didn't love that, and I don't love that either, man, because I think Shamil's going to pull out. So, yeah, Mike, Celtics locker room, maybe a little Kobe Covington update, and Jonathan Almeida. Have a heck of a morning, man. Uh, the Celtics rock locker room is like, yes, get him the hell away from us. They're like – Take him. They can't wait to get get that guy off the books. He's going to be gone at the end of the season anyway, so if we're going to make this easier on them, do it. Do it. Maybe they can get a little something-something in return. I don't know. But, yeah, get rid of that guy. Get him out of there. And if Brooklyn wants to take on that headache, it's only fitting that he's the dude, and then he has to deal with that horse shit with Kyrie and Akala. We had to deal with him for a while, too, and he was just an idiot. Uh, he's even more of an idiot now, if we're being honest. But uh, I'm not going to talk about that. Just If you want to hear more about that, Ariel Hawani just went nuclear on the MA Hour yesterday about it, and I could never say it anywhere close to as good as the way he did. So there you go. Colby, is he holding up the welterweight division? No. You could probably make, you could probably make more of an argument that Hamzat Shabayev is. Because he's the one who missed weight. Colby got to his welterweight fight and won. Then all that stuff happened behind the scenes. But Hamzat missed weight by eight and a half pounds or seven and a half, whatever it was. And they had to change the whole card around. And now we're waiting to see, well, is he going to fight at welterweight? We're going to give him one more chance. This guy's holding up the division more because he can't make the friggin' weight. UFC gave him a layup. And he failed. So I think there's more of a case to be made that Shemayev's holding it up more than Colby is. And I don't know if Colby will... I, 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 I haven't talked to Colby in a while. I've checked in. I've asked him certain things. Haven't gotten a response in a while. I get it. Dude's off the radar. And I don't blame him for that. But I think if he's ready to go... This is the best fight for him. Shemayev will be the favorite. He can, and like I said, I think it's an interesting, much more interesting matchup than most because Colby doesn't get tired. Hamzat will over five rounds. But it's just can he survive that early storm? Very few have been able to do it. Gilbert Burns did. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think Colby's holding up the division. And another prospect I'll throw out there, yes, Jet LeMay is good is a guy who's going to be the Bellator lightweight champion in a couple of weeks, Usman Armagomedov, who might actually be the best prospect in all of MMA because he's going to win the Bellator lightweight title in a couple of weeks in Chicago. So it's another great pick. Let's go to JD. JD, unmute. JD, you're muted. Oh, there we go. Sorry about that, man. How you doing this morning? I got you. I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, here, here's a little question for you. Uh, just kind of prospecting where the lightweight division will be with Islam at the top. Where do you think Rafael Fazeev could be in giving Islam 
a good fight because uh, he has good takedown defense and he has great striking, and I think he has a little bit of room to grow, but he'll probably have two fights to work on that. Just want to know your thoughts on it. Thanks, dude. Hmm. It's a good question. I mean, I... Rough, I mean, Fazeev's great. He's got to fight for the belts. Like, of all the names that we mentioned on the come up at 155 that we talk about all the time, Fazeev's probably going to be the first one to get a title shot. But I hope it's not anytime soon, just for the reasons that you laid out. Like, Fazeev's a great striker. He does have good takedown defense. He started in the RDA fight, but RDA is not Islam Makachev. It's a whole different beast. Whole different bag of worms. So, I, I mean... Give Fazeev three more wins. I'm still picking Islam to win that fight. But Fazeev is a dynamic dude. He's a super athlete. Love the fight. But I don't know. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take a perfect night for not just him, but like anybody in this division to beat that guy. So, yeah, I think he's got a chance. But we'll see what happens with him next. I'm curious to see who they line him up with. Is it Gaethje? Do they do the Gaethje fight sometime next year? I don't know. It doesn't seem like Gaethje's all that interested in it. But I get it. He wants Gaethje wants to get to a title fight himself as quickly as he can. So he's already talked about maybe fighting Oliveira again. He said the loser of the title fight, winner of Chandler Poirier. I don't think anyone's going to complain about either of those fights. But I would kind of like to see Fazeev get his chance. Because that's the problem with this division is none of these guys are getting that chance. Like we saw Gamrod get Benil, but it's just not the same. Like you don't get the same rub as fighting a Poirier or Chandler or Gaethje as you do fighting Benil. And that's it's unfortunate to say because Benil's great, but he's just not, it's not one you get supremely over against if you beat him. So, but the others, yeah, 100%. But hopefully we can get this div- hopefully 2023 is a year of movement at 155 where these up and comers, the Sarukians, the Fazeevs, the Ismagulovs, you know, Gamrod as well, some of these other dudes on the way up the Grant Dawsons, perhaps Claudio Puez, if he beats Dan Hooker at UFC 281. I mean What else is there? I mean, there's a lot. There's just a lot of talent at 155 right now. So many. I want to pull up, see if we got any more names I'm forgetting because this division is the Cadillac division. Um, yeah, Izbogulov's great. Guram Kutatalatze is another guy. Had a tough fight with Izbogulov. A lot of people thought he won that fight. Now Drew Dober's winning. We talked about Mark Bet. If Ilya Taporia wants to go back to 155, he's a player. We got Patty. Terrence McKinney. I mean, there's just, there's lots of them. Tons. So hopefully this is the, 2023 is the year of movements. At lightweight, at featherweight, bantamweight as well. And let's see how this works. All right, we're going to get out of here. BTL, 1 p.m. Eastern. We're, we're, Technically calling it an exhibition match because Jed has retired from full-fledged BTL competition, but Jed will be on for an exhibition matchup with fellow MMA fighting representative Damon Martin, so that should be a lot of fun. Uh, We'll have UFC Vegas 64 coverage throughout the weekend. We'll have a preview show sometime tomorrow. People's pre-fight show Saturday, post-fight show Saturday, on to the next one Sunday. And then we are on the road officially to UFC 281, on the road to New York, the Mecca, Madison Square Garden. And it's exciting stuff. So we'll be back here tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. Until then, everybody, thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning.
You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.